This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe. And today, I'm delighted to say we're talking to Jeff Halley, Asia-Pacific senior market analyst for Oanda. How are you doing? Good, mate. We might get some background noise from the monsoon out here today, so that could make it a bit more exciting. <laughs> it could never be more exciting with you, Jeff. Let's start with the markets where you are. Big falls in Japan, down over 2%. Yesterday, we saw the US, particular NASDAQ, also with falls over 2%. What's behind that? Yeah, what we saw yesterday was a, a general risk aversion move across the globe, and that affected stocks, it affected currencies to a lesser extent, but definitely commodities as well, which saw a broad-based sell-off. It's all being driven by uh, Evergrande in China, this uh, huge property company with $300 billion of uh, debts, which looks like it's going to default any day now. Uh, that has raised concerns about contagion within the Chinese uh, financial system and thus over into international markets as well, where they have quite a lot of dollar bonds ever grand. Now, I think those fears are slightly overstated, but it caused a generalized risk off move. And it comes when uh, the US markets had a pretty soft week last week. And when we're at the uh, you know, we're, we're well into a very, very uh, extended bull market. So asset prices were pretty, uh, pretty pumped up everywhere. And when you get markets like that, it doesn't take a lot uh, to, to, to make people run for the door. Japan has fallen today because it was on holiday yesterday. So it's playing catch up to the moves yesterday. Um, and we are all waiting for China to return uh, from holiday tomorrow to see if the government's going to uh, engineer some sort of intervention to bail out uh, Evergrande. Are some of these falls also down to the fact that investors are nervous that the US Fed, which uh, of course meets today and tomorrow, will confirm plans to cut back support for the US economy this year? I think that's definitely in play and I think that was a theme dominating uh, investors' minds towards the end of last week. But I think it was the double the double header of China and the US that spooked markets yesterday. And I believe volat- uh, liquidity would have been much reduced in Asia as well. We had South Korea, Japan and mainland China on holiday yesterday. So that would have exacerbated the moves, which set the tone for the rest of the day. Markets are myopically focused on Evergrande at the moment. But as you said, uh, the FOMC is the main event for the week. Uh, and, and I believe that although they're not going to move or actually say they're going to start tapering on uh, on Wednesday or tomorrow night, Thursday morning, Asia time, they may signal that they are going to set a timetable probably from the November meeting. As the Fed starts to unwind its support, Jeff, would you expect a major correction in indexes like US S&P over the next few months to come? You know, I, I think that if we do see a major correction, it, that is what it will be. It will be a correction. And depending on who you read uh, from the investment banks today, uh, they're either saying it's a buy the dip scenario um, or we're, we're facing a 20% correction. The fact is, is that we've had pretty much a one-way bull market since March 2020 last year. And we are overdue quite a, uh, you know, we are overdue a material correction. But... Uh, I think what listeners need to understand that is even if the Fed does start winding back its quantitative easing, 
we are still living in a 0% world. Uh, central banks are not looking to raise interest rates in, in general. They're looking to keep them at near zero. And in that environment, asset prices will continue to appreciate. It's just that it may become a lot more two-way in its price action going forward. And September is traditionally quite a bad month for stocks, is it not? Yeah, it is. But I think, uh, again, I don't place too much store on, on these things. I mean, they say things like sell in May and go away, and that didn't work this year either. It's funny how um, statistics have a, have a way of biting you in the in the face, actually, when you, when you push too much store on them. I think part of it is because there's quite a few uh, data points in September with the non-farm payrolls, uh, earlier in the month, but also this month, this week, in fact, we have not just the FOMC, there's 12 other central banks with policy decisions this week. And of course, Evergrande has come to the fore as well, concerns about US and China growth. So uh, I, I'm not saying September set in stone is you should be short everything, but uh, I, I think it's the nature of September that perhaps causes more volatility in markets than usual. So when will we hear what's coming out of the FOMC? Will it be today or tomorrow? It'll be tomorrow night uh, if you're sitting over, over there in the, in the United States or in uh, Britain or Europe. In Asia, uh, we'll walk in on Thursday morning and, and start digesting the full uh, implications of, of what they say. So we get it a little secondhand. As I said, I'm not expecting any huge surprises. They may actually signal that they are going to start talking or enacting tapering by the end of the year. But I think that will be a decision or a pulling the trigger situation uh, for the November meeting. Either way, I, I still believe that the Fed will struggle to avoid some sort of taper tantrum. Now, how much of a tantrum that tapering causes uh, is, uh, is up in the air, but I, I do believe that we will uh, get some sort of reaction. That's probably going to be negative for Asian currencies and Asian stock markets uh, in the shorter term. But again, as I said, we're living in a 0% world, and uh, I think the asset price inflation, oh, inflation will, will still remain the theme into 2022. We're living in a 0% world. That could, be, <laughs> that could be the adage for the time, Jeff. Yeah, look, uh, when you get me on my soapbox, I, I think uh, that we've gone far too long with quantitative easing and yeah. the imbalances, uh, the social imbalances that it's causing will probably come back and cause issues later in this decade. But uh, for now, the central banks seem intent on backstopping any sort of negative market moves. Uh, and, and, and against that background, it, it's sort of foolish to fight it. You mentioned the Fed with its announcement tomorrow. Plenty of other central banks uh, with news this week. Who should we look out for apart from the US? Well, Norway is, is one central bank, and actually they may well be the first G10 currency bank, so to speak, uh, to, to raise rates. So the market's pricing in uh, a hike from them. Uh, that will beat New Zealand to the, to the post, uh, who will probably start raising in, uh, in October in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Brazil will also hike rates, but you know, we've got Turkey, we've got Sweden, uh, we've got Japan, uh, the list goes on. So Indonesia today as well. Now, I believe most of these central banks will hold policy rates unchanged, uh, particularly because we're all really just waiting for the Federal Reserve uh, tomorrow night. Now, I must ask you something about the gas hikes that we've seen and that how that has affected certainly us here in the UK, all of the main headlines across the newspapers this morning 
are about what the government is going to do about these uh, record high gas prices and all these gas providers which are going out of business and whether they should bail them out, whether this is going to cause uh, shortages in food and all sorts of products over the next uh, few weeks and months, particularly going into the winter. Is that actually being felt where you are in Asia Pacific or is this just very much limited to Western Europe? This is really going to be felt in two major areas, Europe and the UK, and also Northern Asia. So I'm talking China, Japan, South Korea, uh, who are some of the largest, if not the largest consumers of natural gas in the world. Now, they use it not just for power generation, but also heating. And as we know, in the Northern Hemisphere, things do get rather cold in winter. Now, uh, in uh, Singapore and, and countries such as Indonesia, we're pretty much on the equator. So we're obviously not using it for heating, but it is used in power generation to a certain extent. But a lot of Asia is still using coal for power generation. So it's not really impacting uh, Asia per se. I mean, it's probably mostly used for cooking in, uh, in ASEAN, sort of around the equator. Uh, but I do believe that the market's been caught with its pants down and so have the gas companies. Natural gas prices have moved sideways for years and now they've uh, spiked aggressively. Uh, I, I believe that these companies haven't hedged uh, their importing needs and they've all been caught out. Uh, now, when you put that against the context of global logistical shortages or blockages, uh, that's leading to uh, the shortages or potential shortages of gas. When you look at Europe, uh, they normally have a lot more gas already in storage seasonally than they do at this time of the year, which means that they haven't stocked up enough either. So I think there'll be a lot of fingers crossed this year that the winter is quite mild. But if it's not, I think we could be in for some of the issues that you described. And we've also got a problem in this country because apparently it wasn't a very windy summer. The wind farms have not produced the energy that was expected. Who would have thought that the United Kingdom didn't have enough wind in the, in the North Sea? Again, I mean, when you look about, I mean, maybe then they've used uh, more gas and gas plants to make up the shortages. I mean, I guess the positive thing you can take out of that is that in the middle of the UK winter, there's unlikely to be a lack of wind in the North Sea. Uh, and so, you know, renewables production should pick up again. Uh, but when you read about fertiliser plants having to uh, close down because they haven't got enough natural gas, etc etc you know they don't really have any time now to actually make up these shortages either in the uk or in europe so uh, you know we are really moving to a situation where we all need to hope that um, the winter is a mild one or else there could be issues and we can see even in southern europe uh, uh, some of the governments there are subsidizing or putting price caps on gas already in anticipation of this issue. I think it really could come back to bite Europe uh, in the foot later, later in this year. So we want a mild but windy winter here in the UK. Exactly. You get plenty of hot air from Westminster, but what you need <laughs> is more wind from the North Sea. Jeff Halley, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Johnny. The Oanda Podcast.